What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Nima Omidvar, and I'm excited to take you guys through the tunnel up to Rhode Island and Connecticut, two states that have got a great tradition in terms of prep school basketball, and we're going to really dive in with our, our panelists. Uh, coming out of the state of Rhode Island, Coach Mike Hart, who is the athletic director and head coach at St. Andrews School, has amassed over 550 wins, seven New England championships, has had four NBA players, and is a just a great guy, funny guy to be around, one of my all-time favorites from uh, my hoop group days at camp. Uh, we got Tom Espinosa, the uh, AD and head coach at Putnam Science in Connecticut. Uh, he's been in five straight Final Fours uh, in the prep school championships, uh, 2018 and 2020 national champion. Uh, and he's had uh, a bevy of uh, tremendous uh, players and performers go all over the country. Rock Battistoni, uh, Associate uh, Director of Admissions and the boys head coach at uh, Loomis and Chafee, uh, was NEPSAC uh, Class A Coach of the Year, uh, as well as uh, the 2020 Class A NEPSAC Champions. And then last but not least, Coach Jerry Quinn, uh, who's been the head coach at St. Thomas More for over 43 years and has uh, had tons of wonderful accomplishments, a lot of great players uh, over, over the years. Um, want to become a better player? Make sure you check out our sponsor, Follow them on Twitter, at Dr. Dish. Follow them on Instagram as well. Uh, you can find different videos, tips, uh, drills that you can utilize with their wonderful machines. If you're in the market for a new machine, make sure you contact them and mention this ad from Rising Coaches uh, to get uh, a discount from one of their new machines. And by the way, if you've got an older machine that's maybe uh, a little outdated, you can trade that in. Uh, regardless of the brand. We thank Dr. Dish very much for helping us go through the tunnel. And without any further ado, let's go meet our panelists and talk about hoops in Rhode Island and Connecticut. All right, thank you for joining us through the tunnel here with the distinguished group of coaches. We've got a lot of great experience specifically in Connecticut and Rhode Island. Uh, we're going to get right into it because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, Coach Rock, I want to start with you. I want to talk a little bit about coaches, about Connecticut and then Rhode Island. Just as a, as a region and as an area, we've got some listeners that might be out on the left coast um, that, that have never been. Talk to us about the different parts of the state um, and what we can expect to find um, when we come into Connecticut. Rock, I'll start with you and then Coach Quinn, you can follow up. Yeah, well, I'm the young guy on this block here, so <laughs> I, I certainly uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity. Um, and, and being my school is located right in the center of Connecticut and, and having lived here um, for the majority of my life. I mean, Connecticut has been a state that's got a lot of talent um, from your 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 pockets that are that are the sticks in the middle of nowhere to, to more populated areas like Hartford, New Haven and Bridgeport and down there, Coach Quinn in New London. Um, you know, there, there's talent in this state that is is um, has played at the professional level and, and certainly playing Division One, Division Two, and Division Three basketball. And and it and, and it you you do not have to go far to find it uh, by any stretch of the means. Whether it's kids playing in public school or or at preps, um, the talent is, is um, it, there's a lot of it. To, to put it to you simply. Um, and it's, it's impressive to always see. And it's been that way for a long time, for a long time, even since 
when I was growing up out in the sticks of Connecticut and going into Waterbury, I mean, kids like, I mean, if we want to start naming off names, then <laughs> then we can really get down a rabbit hole here. But uh, um, I, I've certainly have seen it just just growing up here and, 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 and been happy to be a part of it. Yeah, and Coach Green, before you you jump in, let, let's feel free to, uh, to name off names because I think anytime we get some sort of uh, attachment in, in our memory banks as coaches about the players that have come from those areas, uh, it, you know, you, you often find similar players coming back because of the infrastructure or similar type of players because the infrastructure maybe helps develop that. Coach Quinn, you've developed a lot of great players in your time. Talk about uh, your uh, part of the state uh, where, where St. Thomas More is. Well, it's interesting because Connecticut is such a small state. And growing up in New York City, uh, when I first started this process, uh, just recently, like 43 years ago, uh, um, it, was, it was an intrigue uh, uh, because it's such an eclectic state where you do have cities and you do have rural areas and you do have totally, totally uh, outlier areas. Like St. Thomas More, when we first came here, is, is a school that was in such in the middle of nowhere. And as I jokingly say, you know, we were a bubble before bubbles became vogue to be a bubble. <laughs> so we've been really fortunate through this pandemic scenario where we've been actually pretty safe. I don't know if COVID's found us yet. Uh, uh, but in the state of Connecticut, it's interesting because I've always tried to, in the last 15 to 20 years, not take Connecticut kids. And because I think if they're going to go away to prep school for the postgraduate year, we ask them to go away. That being said, I have great relationships with Connecticut coaches. And I think, you know, you find all levels of players in Connecticut. You know, you find some high-level kids. In, and, I mean, we, we've been so fortunate in our own world to get possibly the, one of the best players out of Connecticut in, in the history of Connecticut being Andre Drummond. Uh, and, and that came through a compilation of some high school people and some AAU coaches and uh, uh, some other prep school people thought, thinking it would be a good, uh, good fit. But Connecticut, you know, just kind of sneaks up on you. You know, it, it's always a place where there's a kid who, uh, 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 it's a state that loves its basketball because of the university. And, and you know, I think it, it, it's a small enough state, but, you know, I, some of the, you know, premier coaches in the state, like a Kenny Smith from Windsor and uh, 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 a Luke Riley. And St. Thomas More has been fortunate enough to, to house the Connecticut Basketball School. Uh, in the summer, which is the summer camp, which is the oldest running camp in the state. I'm sorry. It's the oldest running camp in the United States. Wow. You know, this is the first year that they haven't had it in close to 60. And, wow. and being the Connecticut basketball school, I've had the good fortune of hanging out with these guys uh, after camp. And I've had the good fortune of talking to the guys during camp. So we've been really fortunate. They've always, you know, been uh, 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 the high school coaches. All the high school coaches have a tendency to send their teams here. All the high school coaches in Connecticut have a tendency to stop by and see their kids play, if not work the camp. So uh, I always get like a, a quick hit on the kids. And uh, as I said, we've been really fortunate to get some great Connecticut kids and families. And it, it, it's, it's, it's now built up with all the prep schools, you know, the two down the road being Tommy and Jock at, at Putnam and, and Woodstock. And then Raf being back at South Kent and, and, you know, the guys at Cheshire doing a heck of a job. Uh, uh, so it, it, it's really kind of a, you know, in the, in the higher level, it's really kind of been an in, intriguing thing. Yeah. Th these, these are great points. And, and I, I do want to 
come follow back up after Tom and Mike talked about their areas, about some some of the points that you made with you know the colleges and then also the uh, Connecticut basketball that that can't. That sounds like a very interesting thing. Tom, Tom, tell me about the rest of the state. Whatever we didn't touch, you got the rest of it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm really close to Jerry. You know, we're like 45 minutes away. But you know, going back to what Rock said too, I mean, I just can't believe how much talent it's in Connecticut. Um, you know, one thing that I always did. Um, I, was, I always thought it was kind of like a hidden gem and I, I would never miss it. I would go to it the last 10 years is the CIAC uh, all-star game. It's usually at Maloney high school and Meriden and it would be the class S and M uh, all-stars. They play against each other, East West, and then the L and double L and every year for like, you know, whatever, 10 years straight, I would find one, one or two really good players that were kind of under the radar, you know, uh, for whatever reason. But, um, and, you know, I recruit also, we have a couple level teams. So my second team, you know, I would get five or six really good high level division three, you know, players during that all-star game that were just never really seen for whatever reason. So, you know, I agree. It's just, it's a lot of talent and it's Connecticut's very funny. Um, you know, we're very different, you know, Putnam is, <laughs> it's a different world from Bridgeport, et cetera. But uh, yeah. And, you know, not having a pro team, like what Jerry said, you know, I mean, UConn basketball, that's what it is. And uh, it's, uh, you know, Connecticut, it's, it's, they love their basketball. And there's a lot of hidden gems and a lot of talent in the state of Connecticut. Coach Hart, let's go over the state line to, to your state in Rhode Island. Talk to us about Rhode Island basketball. Well, it started in 1636 officially <laughs> when Roger Williams got kicked out of every other state in New England because he was too tough for him, uh, and for Rhode Island. Uh, and at least that's how the story goes. And, um, and he paid the Wampanoag uh, tribe, by the way, for the land. So look that one up, too, uh, uh, which I thought yeah, was – coming right off the bat with historic gems. You know, it, it, but anyway, it was founded uh, because Roger Williams and his followers wanted religious freedom, and they ended up in Rhode Island. Okay, I don't know if it was a cult. I wasn't around. I couldn't tell you. But um, we've been uh, for 60 miles by 50 miles. We've been really lucky with, uh, with basketball. We're mainly a hockey state. And um, I, I think the last 15 or 20 years, though, at the high school and the prep school level, we've kind of chipped away in that reputation. Um, you know, uh, but we've, we've got a good proud history. You know, Providence College Fries and URI Rams. And uh, we've had a couple of NBA guys who are homegrown here. Uh, that, you know, uh, you know, like Ernie DiGregorio and Marvin Bonds, to name, you know, those guys. And we also have a, a guy I grew up with named Tommy Garrick, who everyone forgets about. He went from Little West Warwick High School to one scholarship offer at URI to a five-year NBA career, you know. And um, most recently now, you know, like Bonzi Colson and some of those other guys, uh, Cotter Williams, who played here, but they weren't native for Islanders. But – We've we've uh, we've had some uh, for a little tiny spot. We've we've had some uh, success and hopefully it continues. Uh, just like Coach Quinn, I don't get the Rhode Island kids that much anymore. I used to get a lot of Rhode Island kids. Um, we we tend to with my team going to the prep level, adding postgrads in 2012. We tend to get kids in the dorm. So our pitch is the same thing. You know, you if you you want to come here, you you know if you live in Rhode Island, why? board in Rhode Island where 
you might want to go out of state and uh, get a different experience. So um, we still got a couple kids who commute, but most of our postgrads are from out of state and out of country. All right. So I, I want to talk real quick. I want to jump to this point because uh, you guys mentioned the, the the various colleges and and how that's kind of uh, blent to the importance of basketball. UConn primarily in Connecticut. Obviously, there's other colleges in, in the state of Connecticut and then URI, Rhode, University of Rhode Island and Providence in Rhode Island. What, what hand does uh, do those universities play? In, in the popularity of the sport, especially like you said, Coach Hart, uh, as it's chipping away from being maybe a hockey town in, or a hockey state, I should say, in Rhode Island. And um, would you guys agree that Connecticut is a basketball state? Tom, Tom, I'll start with you. Let's talk about the Connecticut side of things first. What, what, what role does, does that major institution that's won national championships and, and whatnot play in, in the popularity of basketball? Yeah, huge. I mean, when Jim Calhoun got that going, I think it just it changed the state of Connecticut, you know. Um, I mean, Connecticut's always had a rich history of basketball players, but I think UConn just it brought us to another level. I mean, a lot of – it's funny, like a lot of my, uh, you know, my father's friends and or even older, um, a lot of them are like Providence College fans, you know, or, you know, Boston College fans because UConn was – it wasn't UConn back then, you know, so – um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's changed a lot. And, uh, you know, I think UConn does a great job of, you know, inviting programs and coaches to, to the games. And, you know, they obviously Jim Calhoun run their basketball camp for years and, you know, it was sold out every year. And so the interest and the love is, just, it's, you know, I think it started with Jim Calhoun and, you know, getting UConn into the Big East and it's just it's just keeps rising. Rock, give me your thoughts. And then Coach Quinn, follow up. Uh, and adding to, to the point you were making about the uh, the Connecticut basketball, um, you know, school that, that you got going on. I think that's really interesting. But, Brock, I'd like to hear your thoughts on on just Connecticut college basketball and the popularity of the sport. I mean, obviously, UConn is, and Coach Calhoun and, and the program has been instrumental in terms of just the popularity of the game. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sure even before that, I mean, basketball is, is – it's – we're biased here. It's the best game on the planet, and and it's easy to to find a hoop and and have a ball and and a couple of buddies and play. Um, but I mean, again, growing up for me, everything was about UConn basketball. Like I went to the camps, I watched all the games, I got autographs going to those camps, like on <laughs> posters or or ripped pieces of cardboard. Like that's what it was about, and I think. Um, you know, definitely it's been impactful in communities where where when kids are seeing, oh, you know, a kid down the road is going to UConn. Well, I want to be that kid. I want to work on my game. I want to get to that level. Um, but now, I mean, you've got Yale is awesome. And, 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 and you've got, you know, programs out there just within the state that, and coaches that are doing a terrific job. And, and, and I see the game continue to to grow at the at the collegiate level, and certainly it's going to be a, a trickle down effect. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Yale because they've they've done a tremendous job in in recent years, and their program is uh, you know a, a formidable power. Coach Quinn, I, I prior to this conversation, I'd never heard of of the the camp that you that you referenced. Can you give us a little bit more background about it? And then, as a recruiter, is that something I should be 
keeping an eye on? Uh, give me more details. Well, on it's, this a, it's actually a, a, a fab, fabulous camp. And Nick McCarchick, who was the first head coach of St. Thomas More, who actually coached Ernie D. Uh, Mike, uh, Ernie D's a St. Thomas More alum. And we actually just put him in our Hall of Fame recently. But Nick is the guy who's been running this camp for years and years and years. And, and, and uh, uh, it's interesting, you know, when we mentioned that, you know, the State University, it's just as a parent of four kids and two boys and two girls, it's not just what they've done to the men's game. It's, you know, when you talk about the state of Connecticut, it's actually become a co-ed state for basketball. I mean, they Great love point. it on both sides. I know, Tommy, you guys got a program. Michael, you got a program. But it's just... Uh, Rock, you got. I mean, it's just it, it's just incredible, you know, what they've done. Now, I've actually run a camp at St. Thomas More for 32 years. That's co-ed, uh, and we probably bring in close to 300 kids a year. So we're we're, we're hitting close to about nine to ten thousand kids that we've had through our doors over a while. But the Connecticut basketball camp, it's just it's a very interesting camp because it's a really high level for like seven, eight, ninth, and tenth graders. And then afterwards, you know, some of them may look at an Eastern Invitational or now the AAU has kind of pulled kids away from camps. Where So as, so as Tom mentioned, in a place like, you know, the CIAC, also our games where I was fortunate enough for my kids to play, and I've been to a bunch of those as well. At the, at, at the camp like Connecticut Basketball School, you get a chance to see a lot of Division three level kids, possible Division two level kids, and intermittently a, a, a Division one level kid. Uh, but all the coaches are there, and they, of course they're all, like every high school coach, talking their kids up. But one of the things I found about the high school guys in Connecticut, they're really pretty realistic. You know, if they have a kid, they, they, they have a tendency to be able to say, nah, he's this level. You know, sometimes coaches project their kids higher than they should, which is unfortunate for the kid and the family and the program and everybody. It doesn't work. But the Connecticut coaches, I've always seen through our conversations that they pretty much have their finger on the pulse of what level these kids can play in. And I think because, you know, Rock has mentioned the different and everybody's mentioned, you know, in such a small state to have a Yale and a Fairfield and a Quinnipiac and a, and a Central Connecticut, you have five Division One pro programs. Then you have strong Division Two programs at Post and Southern, and then you have nine to ten division three programs i mean for such a small little state to have so much basketball offered to their kids uh, uh it's really kind of an intriguing and intriguing kind of little land yeah you you brought up a really really good point that uh i kind of glossed over going into this conversation is the fact that the women on the women's side you know basketball is really strong uh, and obviously UConn because of uh, Gino Oriema, but that popularity blends for, for all kids as they they grow up. I want to talk a little bit about that in a second. Uh, Coach Hart, tell us a little bit about on on, on your side of uh, the state line, because I know that, that you or I fans are passionate. I've, I've caught a couple L's up there. I, I see how Providence is and um, talk about how that has maybe led to a little bit of a basketball renaissance in, in you guys' state, like you were mentioning. Well, yeah, well, you, you, you get the history of Providence College going way back in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, the greatest basketball mind of all time, Dave Gavitt, inventing the Big East Conference, uh, yeah. you know, which, uh, which he did. And I know because I was there, I was a camper at his camp when he announced it back in 1978. Wow. Range 79. Um, you know, we've been lucky, but you or I also had a guy by the name of Jack Kraft, who was another 
genius with basketball. And, you know, I went to his camps when I was a kid too. We learned, so I, I had a chance to learn a lot from those types of people and, and Providence and URI will always have their traditions and around the state, uh, you know, they, they sell out, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts Center, which I call the Providence Civic Center because that's the first name of it. Um, and now the Ryan Center. So, you know, good, good history there, but I want to talk about Bryant right in my backyard. Uh, you know, yeah. I was in Providence, but I grew up in Smithfield and I used to sneak into their old gym with a rubber brown court. Um, and my dad was a Smithfield police officer. So he used to, you know, do the details of the, the games. So I used to go to the games and uh, I'm amazed at what's going on up there right now. I had a guy play there last year as did uh, coach, um, uh, you know, Tom, I, I saw your guy there. Like it just, it's amazing what they've done. First of all, to the facility, it's amazing what, what Jared's done, the excitement, talent he's, he's brought in there. And uh, Ronnie Makeley was the president. He just retired. Uh, I used to play the men's league with him, by the way, in Warwick. Uh, but that's another story back in the 80s, uh, 100 pounds ago. And uh, so it's just amazing what Bryant's done and an added feature, you know, for the basketball fan right here in Rhode Island. And I, and I also want to say a thing with, with Brown University, another great place to go watch a game. Coach Martin, got a lot of talent. We've had, uh, you know, St. Andrews kid or two play there. And, and so we've got four Division I uh, programs in a 60 by 50 mile radius. You know, you know, Jerry, you're the math guys. Radius, the right word to use. Uh, area. area. No, no. <laughs> Triangle, Sosalis. Uh, but anyway, so – We've got four really, you know, good options for the basketball fan. So we're lucky. We're really lucky. Mike, I'm really glad you you brought up uh, Bryant and Brown because uh, Coach Grosso and Coach Martin are doing a great job. I think it's I think it is spectacular. I'm I'm actually a, a Bryant fan from afar. I love what he does from marketing uh, the program and you know, the, the aggressive nature and how they recruit and, and being out in front. That's just brought a lot of name notoriety to not just their campus, but to the region. I think it's pretty cool. Um, so we, we've all you've all mentioned basketball camp, uh, which is integral in, in a lot of players development and their their passion to go into camp. I think it's always important to understand, and I know some of your programs, most of your programs have out-of-towners, but for for us to understand uh, the basketball infrastructure and what leads to uh, the the player that we ultimately recruit as college coaches, um, Tom, I'll start with you, and then Rock, you follow up. W- what is the youth basketball infrastructure like? Is there, you know, is it being competed with? the hockeys or the footballs or is it mostly basketball AU camp just give us like that that construct so we have understanding of when kids are coming up before they get to high school how they're developing well you know so I have two sons that are 10 and 8 and so I, I hear the parents at you know whatever basketball practice or you know baseball practice and they talk and they're already like considering like specializing in sports and these kids are like 8, 9, 10 years old it just, I don't know, it blows my mind. I, you know, I, I played, you know, two, well, mo- mostly three sports, and then I kind of narrowed down to two in high school. But, uh, you know, I believe in playing, you know, multiple sports. You know, I, I mean, I, I guess at some point the high school level, yeah, and then, you know, you maybe specialize it. But it's kind of scary, in my opinion, 
how young these parents are, are, you know, pushing these kids and specializing in one sport at the age of eight, nine, ten years old. You know, it's it's, it's crazy to me. So, uh, um, but yeah, so it's you know, I, I'm a believer in you know playing multiple sports, and uh, you know, I, I think it just, I don't know, in my opinion, it's just kind of scary right now where you know the youth is heading, you know, and I think it starts with the parents, and you know, and for whatever reason, just. They can, you know, pushing these kids into one sport and think, you know, they're going to whatever, get a scholarship or, you know, play professionally. It's, it's not about that. It's, you know, you hear it all the time. It's about the journey and what you learn and making friends and having fun. You know what I mean? And at some point you, you, you want to get to that point where, yeah, all right, you know, now you're getting pretty serious and maybe I need to specialize in a certain thing. But, you know, be, being a part of it, you know, small part of it with my kids, it's just it's, it's kind of crazy the things that I hear right now. Rock, follow up on that. What, what what do you see in the youth infrastructure of basketball uh, in the region um, that kind of lends to having such a, a deep talent pool uh, and a wide ranging of talent from, you know, pro all the way to Division three and beyond? Um, I think in terms of just youth development, just in, in my media area in Hartford and, and Windsor, I mean, Coach Smith at Windsor High, I know he he runs a camp and does a great job. And, and the town of Windsor itself, um, just locally, has a has a lot of talent. Um, and he's had some great teams and, and really good players. Um, and then, you know, going out beyond Hartford and West Hartford and Glastonbury, there's still some some good smaller youth camp options to get kids involved in the game of basketball. Um, at the end of the day, ultimately, ultimately right now to piggyback off Tom, there is a, a pressure to specialize a little bit, certainly when a kid gets older, but <laughs> at eight, 10, 11 years old, it, it is wild stuff out there, but, but there is the, the, the pressure of the eye on the prize of getting a full scholarship to play a sport in college. Um, and, um, there is a lot of, a lot of pressure behind that. Um, you know, I think that, uh, Kids nowadays, they they all have, they seemingly all might have trainers and working with trainers on their game, and 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 it's great, you know, they're they're getting after it. Um, what I've seen just in the in the past because of because of COVID is kids struggling to find gym time. So when a gym has been opened up, they're playing pickup a little bit more, um, which has been great because I don't know how how often that happens anymore, where it's just you know off the hip where you got 10, 12 guys getting a run in. Um, you know, it's kind of maximizing that, that gym time. So do you want to maximize it with playing fives or playing threes, whatever it might be, or do you want to maximize it dribbling a ball while also dribbling a tennis ball? Right. Which, which is all, which is good. You're, you're, you're doing something to get better. Um, but, but how are you using that, that time right now? Um, but from a youth standpoint, just circling back, I, I, I still think in this area, there's, there's good opportunities to, to, to be able to get better. I, th- I think it's interesting in, in doing these episodes, you know, the, this conversation this far, we, I've heard more about basketball camp than any of the other episodes. That's why I was, I was intrigued by it to see if, if there's something, uh, a commonality or, or a common denominator that's, that's leading to this um, sort of development. Now that we've got, got that baseline out of the way, Coach Quinn, I'll start with you. Then Coach Hart, you follow up. If, if you were to to kind of categorize the stereotypical player, um, and it may not be one uh, from the area in terms of skill sets, 
uh, character traits, things that they're bringing to the table. How would you describe the the um, uh, the, the the standard mold of a Connecticut basketball player or a Rhode Island basketball player? What are they bringing to the table? Uh, it seems like they're a kid who's been pretty well coached, and it seems like he's a kid who's been really played with a team more mm-hmm. than anything. Uh, recently, as Rock says, there's been more trainers involved. You know, to harp back on what we were talking about, the camps, it's just so important, you know, and, and Tom alluded to it. It's so important that you make young kids enjoy the whole process. I yes. Mean, it, 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 and, 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 you know, even in the camp, one of the reasons I run a co-ed camp, well, uh, actually the first year I ran my camp, my six-year-old daughter looked at me in utter disdain when I was going all single sex. So I said, all right, we'll go co-ed. So it's absolute blast. And we actually have the boys and girls playing together. Uh, and, you know, at a young age from 8, 9, 10, 11, there's not a heck of a lot of discrepancy in, in talent level. But I think a kid in Connecticut, you know, it, 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 the ones I've seen and, and, you know, we're all kind of similar, just like they're hardworking kids. And they come from families who kind of get the idea. You know, I, you know, we're all probably 100 percent honest with these people. As I said, one of the things that we've gotten from their coaches is a pretty good perspective of the ability level of the kids we get. And, you know, Mike, Mike mentioned how, you know, prep schools now uh, are national and international. So and one of the things I've always tried to do is create an interesting meal by taking kids from all over the country and all over the world. And, you know, every year we have a couple of Connecticut kids, but mostly we try to go away from the area. Uh, Primarily so, none of the kids can go home on weekends, so everybody's there on the weekends and working on their game, you know, so everybody's here. But usually it's a kid who knows the game, who's pretty skilled, who's, who, who kind of watches the game, you know, instead of playing the game with his fingers, he's playing the game with the ball. He's a kid who comes into the gym and, 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 and it seems somewhat passionate about it. And historically, they've been pretty realistic kids. You know, they've been pretty realistic kids. Uh, especially when you try to explain the numbers of scholarship opportunities available to the kids when you have 600 schools giving scholarships and maybe two or three each school has, you know, each school has two or three, there's, it's just a numbers game. Mike alluded to my math background. It's, it's just a numbers game. And, and uh, I think like all of us as coaches, you know, every kid we get originally is going to Duke in North Carolina and by October they think we're a little smarter. And then by February, March, and April, when we're saying, no, you should really look at this school, then this school, then this school. Uh, But they're usually pretty tough kids who come with pretty good backgrounds, who have a passion for the game, and uh, they kind of get it. They've kind of gotten it, our kids. Yeah, delusion exists uh, around the the United States when it pertains to basketball. It's it's good to know that in in your area, there is a a more sense of a reality of where kids – um, kind of are and who they are. I think that helps us as recruiters because that that young man and young woman is going to be more apt to be recruited. Specifically, if I'm a lower level coach, I don't have to fight that battle of them uh, assuming that they're going to go to a Duke or Carolina when they're possibly a Division two or Division three player. Coach Hart, you, you, smallest state, all your players midgets, or, or we got what do you got in in Rhode Island there? Yeah, we. We don't have many giants, that's for sure. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, you know, we, we used to have I, – I don't like to say, well, when I grew up, but I'm going to say it now. Um, 
when I grew up, you had the town recreation department and you had what they called CYO, Christian Youth Organization. And then from there, some of the private schools would recruit kids illegally. Um, but at least it got you to a private school if you were trying to go that route. And then a lot of the public schools were very, very good. They were talented. So you'd always end up with a private school and a public school in the state championship in Rhode Island. And um, it tends to be more private schools now. The kids who are left, I sh it should say, because a lot of the real talented players will make their way to uh, you know other prep schools. Okay, uh, although a public school won it last year, which was nice to see um, in the state. But but the CYOs kind of disappeared. The town rec department, which would just spur interest in young kids into the sport. Uh, I remember my dad uh, started the one in Smithfield in 1973. He had uh, three hours at the high school. He had four basketballs and he had like, I don't know, about 700 kids show up. You know, So, you know, those days are kind of. You know, we used to practice times. It was it was it was fun. It was a fun way to introduce a kid into basketball. CYO started getting competitive. Okay. Then the nineties showed up and the AAU got going and it's thrown everything out of whack. And that's not a negative comment towards AAU. I've been an AAU coach in the past. I'm probably gonna be an AAU coach in the future. Okay. The thing is, they don't have the time to teach the way you want to teach kids how to play basketball and the game's a lot different. All right. You don't have a thousand people in the stands, real officials, you know, you got running time, three guys were in shorts and there's a game next to you. You know, it's just, it's not the same. It's not. And, um, you know, I, I just think I, I like the, the, um, you know, the young kids learning how to play and deciding if they enjoy the game or not. And also, as Tom said, play other sports. We were ball players when I grew up. Football, basketball, baseball, you know, for the most part. And then we had the hockey crowd, don't get me wrong. No one played soccer because we didn't have soccer. It didn't exist. It was a very small sport in Rhode Island up until about the, you know, early 80s or so. Um, so, you know, you grew up, that's, that's what you did. And nowadays, it's... They don't play other sports. It's it's sad. It really is. And I, I, I'm the athletic director. So now I'm trying to push the old multi-sport thing and <laughs> forget that. That's not happening. And um, it's it's sad. I wish I wish kids would play more sports. Yeah, I, I agree. So now I, I want to talk a little bit about this because you made mention of public schools winning, uh, you know, a championship in Rhode Island. Um, this is something that, 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 that I'm ignorant to. I don't know. Uh, we, you've got prep schools, you've got private schools, you've got public schools, you've got different levels. Let's talk about the scholastic basketball landscape in your guys' areas. Rock, I'll start with you. Then, then Tom, uh, you, you follow up. There's different leagues. They all kind of intertwine. You guys cross each other's paths. Can you give us the uh, – for, for – for the, uh, the the guide for the the recruiting dummy that doesn't know, which would be me, what what are the different leagues in uh, the area? Where, where do you guys compete? How does these leagues break down and, and whatnot? Uh, so in Connecticut, it's the CIAC, which is then broken down into different classifications. I think it used to be four, and now it might be six classifications. Okay. Um, 
you know, class S, I think used to be the smallest, which is kind of where I grew up like out in the sticks. Um, and then there's your preps, but within the CIAC, you're going to have public schools and Catholic schools and uh, charter schools. Um, and then your preps within the state are completely separate playing within, you know, the, the NEPSAC, right? Okay. And um, I don't, I don't play a, a public school. I don't, there's certain rules um, within the state about that, that the CIAC, I believe have imposed. Um, I, and to tell you the truth, I, I don't think I've ever been asked from a public school coach to play. Kenny and I, up at, uh, the head coach at Windsor, we've, we've scrimmaged before um, and things like that. Um, but it's for the most part in terms of playing games, it's, it's, they're separate entities. Okay. So, so, under one umbrella, but separate entities in terms of playing, and then the prep schools are in the NEPSAC. Tom, you guys play on a on a national scale. Talk a little bit about what what your program does. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, so we just got into NEPSAC, so we were kind of, we were okay. independent school for the last fifteen plus years. So, you know, we, we didn't have a limit, you know, game. So we play, you know, between 30 and 40 games and we travel all over the place. We usually have one big trip. You know, I mean, obviously we're a small prep school. We don't, you know, we don't have a lot of money. So, you know, we, we like to, uh, we fundraise a little bit, have a golf tournament and then, you know, whatever. The last couple of years we went to the Bahamas. We went to the city of Palms, you know, down in Baltimore. But we like to do one big trip. But, you know, as these guys know, you, you really don't have to go anywhere outside New England. I mean, there's so many good prep schools, so many good teams. And honestly, so many schools, prep schools outside the region, I mean, they want to come to New England because, you know, I feel, you know, it's, it's the best prep school basketball, you know, in the country. So, so many schools from Ohio and, you know, Georgia and Florida, they make trips up here. And, you know, I've been lucky, you know, Jerry and I have a good relationship and, We'll talk to each other in the school, like, you know, for example, Spire Academy, you know, they come play us on a Friday night and then play Jerry, you know, the next day, you know, and, um, you know, I don't know how many schools have done that, you know, you know, with, with Jerry and I. So, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it's fun. We have to play schools, you know, all over the country and, you know, and then there's some great, you know, uh, Dave Moran runs the one in, you know, around college and, we're lucky you play teams from, you know, international programs. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're lucky. You know, I feel it, it's great to play schools and players from all over, you know, the world, really. So uh, that's, a, that's a great thing about prep school basketball. Coach Quinn, you've got some plaques there behind you. I would assume some of those are some some championships from, from your competition over the years. Talk a little bit about um, what St. Thomas Moore – uh, has been able to do in competing on a scholastic level. Well, you know, we've been real fortunate. Uh, I think one of the reasons I've been doing this so long, so we're a little different. I mean, uh, we're, we're a 100% a tuition-based school. So our kids fiscally are usually going to have to spend more to come to St. Thomas More. Uh, um, so what we've always done is, as best as possible, is we, we try to keep it as one team. And honestly, Nima, we've tried to really make it a postgraduate program. You know, we've had some undergrad, un, 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 underclassmen on our program, but those are usually outliers. Uh, this year, we just brought in, you know, we have a, the younger brother of one of my coaches and a kid who's been in the program for three years as our underclassman. But we brought in 13 postgraduates. And annually, we just really, really, really prefer to stay with the postgraduate student. 
and everything is everything we do is totally, totally, totally about college placement. And my network of people who help me get kids are really coaches, alumni, uh, other prep school coaches. You know, because not everybody not everybody fits the mold of each school. You know, I mean, certain kids is like that's a better kid for you than for me. And in, in our league, you know, like a Jason Smith or a John uh, uh, Carroll will get a hold of me and say, hey, "Quinny, I talked to this kid. It's uh, I don't think it's going to work for us, but I think he'd be good for you." And you know, I we certainly reciprocate that with those guys. So I mean, the, the kind of kids we get, it's you know, we, we really coach to win, but it's not the job. You know, the whole job is college placement. Uh, 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 you know, you can, we've won some championships and lost some championships. But trust me, I was at work the next day regardless if we won or we lost and we're in a classroom. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, and we have such a quick turnover. So uh, it, it, it's what we did last year doesn't matter either. It's what we do for these kids this year. And it's the whole business, I firmly believe, is about getting kids, A, improving their skill level, B, making them feel comfortable about themselves, See, maximizing them as students and as people and as athletes, and and D, and most importantly, getting in schools. And, and uh, you know, so we we we've had a lot of nice teams, with the inclusion of you know a Putnam Science in the last ten years and a Woodstock Academy, and as Tom mentioned, the Spire Academy. New England used to get everybody. I mean, we just we got everybody. And in the last 10 to 15 years, you have all these programs. The ones we mentioned are schools, but there's a lot of programs now that don't even associate with the school, you know, which is kind of crazy. And there's programs bringing 50 and 60 kids as postgraduates. It's just, you know, we're going to stay as a school first. And, you know, we have a very good school with a basketball program with a rich tradition and Annually, about our 13 kids, we'll have three or four kids go to Division Three. We'll have three or four kids go to Division Two, and we'll hopefully get four or five kids go to Division One. And if they blend together, we're going to have a great team. That's why we always recommend people come to see us because we're kind of like a Walmart. We have something for everybody, you know. So we really push the ones, the twos, and the threes to all visit us because every year we place kids in Division Ones and Division Twos and and Division Threes. Hopefully there's a listener out there right now from one of those levels that says, man, maybe I do need to go check them out. And I tell you, that that was a very genuine answer and refreshing answer, Coach Quinn, about what it's all about. It's about college placement. Um, ironically, in our episode where we spoke to uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, and we talked about prep school placement, Coach Smith said the exact same thing. When, when a family, so now I'm speaking to the families that may be listening, when a family calls a, a school or a coach and, and it maybe is not the right fit for them, they're all very willing uh, to make a suggestion to, to find the right fit. And that's ultimately what it's all about, what's going to lend to success. It's not like the schools that have 40, 50 kids and it's a money grab. You're not going to find that as much. In, in the New England area, specifically like Connecticut. That's really uh, interesting. Coach Hart, you, you mentioned a, a public school won your, your guys' uh, championship. Is it intermixed in, in the state of Rhode Island? Is that how it goes? If I could just add to what you just said, uh, too. The first thing I say to parents when they come to St. Andrews is I go, I ask them, how many other schools have you applied to? And they're shocked. 
because they think they're going to get a sales pitch, which eventually they get. But I tell them, you have to apply to a bunch of schools because they're all good. And you got to see what, as you just mentioned, is the best fit. And um, we really do. We have a great group of coaches. And, uh, you know, in double A, you know, I had a kid graduate a couple of years ago and he needed a prep year. Next thing I know, he goes to the double A school and he beats us on our home court as a postgrad. I loved it. He was already with me for four years, and I felt that a fifth year wasn't going to help him. You know, he needed a change of scenery. So we do, as Jerry had mentioned, we do help each other out. But for two hours a year, we're trying to kill each other. Maybe four if we get in a playoff game with them. You know, uh, although AAA plays twice each. But, you know, double A really play once. But anyway, yeah, so getting to what you just asked. So last year, North Kingston High School won the championship last year. We're out. Very, very good coach. I like to, to highlight that. Uh, we have we have really good coaches in this little tiny state. We've got some long-term outstanding coaches. And the guy's name is Aaron Thomas uh, at North Kingston. He's been there forever. I broke in in the late 80s at my alma mater, Smithfield High, with uh, Joey and Billy Bennett. And Joey Bennett is still the head coach at Smithfield High School. And I learned tremendously. I was with those guys for four years. I learned tremendously. We also got a guy named Jamal Gomes at Hendrick in high school. And I'm sure he's fed, he's fed a whole bunch of prep programs. I don't know why people don't, you know, recruit Hendrick anymore. I really don't because he's always got players. And Michael Malone played there. I mean, Rocco Padelli played there. I mean, think about it. Like it, it's a little sports factory in Warwick, Rhode Island. And, you know, they've got three, High-level kid at Notre Dame, Georgia, and Michigan football players. You know, hockey, NHL guys, like, and, and you know, right here in Rhode Island. You know, I know we get a lot of publicity here, and but Hendrick in high school is where it's at. And and I've said that to a lot of people. And Coach Gomes does an outstanding job. He's won like twelve state championships, but they lost last year. North Kingston beat them, and and um, North Kingston had a really veteran club. Nice team. And then talking to the prep rights, we got we got a new player in the block, which I'm really excited about. Right down the street, they beat us last year, St. George's, with uh, Dwayne Pina coaching. Outstanding. Outstanding coach. Was a college guy for a long time. Uh, decided to jump in at St. George's. They, they've, you know, given him an opportunity down there. He's taken full advantage of it. He's brought in great kids and great players. I know one of their guys is just – those ESPN rankings are – you never know. But they, he has a guy – Highly ranked in the sophomore class. The kid's really good, by the way. Um, so, yeah, we got a lot going on in the state. And um, it's always good to see being a public school guy. It's good to see a public school team beat the private schools because it doesn't happen a lot. In football, they don't, you know, the, the private schools just play football. Like, they, they play the public schools, but everyone knows who's going to be in the final every year, the Super Bowl. Um, you know, we're not, we're not big enough to, like in Maryland, you know, have the state independent league and the state, you know, sure. private school. We, we, we're just not big enough for that. So they're all thrown together. LaSalle Academy is another private school. You know, they just print banners every year. So when a, when a public school wins a sport, it's, it's big. I, I think that's important for us to, to know uh, as coaches because I want to recruit from winning programs. But I have to know – what is the pathway for that program to be considered a winner, right? So if a public school is rarely winning in Rhode Island, but they're producing athletes uh, like you just mentioned at Warwick, well, I might need to keep my eye on that. And that's a, that's a level of winning 
Um, even, even if they're not state champs every single year, you can only have one, but um, that's still winning when you have great talent. Heck, you, you, if you're a smart recruiter out there, you, you'd probably be wise to get up there and, and head off those guys and offer them a scholarship before they have to go to prep. Uh, that'd probably be the move. Um, talk to us. Uh, last question before we get into our fast break area. Um, Tom, I'll start with you. Then we'll go Jerry Rock and, and, and Coach Hart. What are some frustrations or things that you uh, have experienced uh, through recruiting that you guys wish college coaches, as they're hearing this, you've given a lot of great advice about the area. What are some things you wish that we would eliminate from our, uh, you know, kind of uh, procedure, if you will, operating procedure when it comes to recruiting? What are some things that maybe frustrate you a little bit? Tom? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, um, yeah, what frustrates me? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I mean, the, the coaches are following the NCAA rules and, uh, you know, we're lucky. And, you know, again, going back, there's just so many uh, prep schools in the area. So, you know, we have so many coaches coming into our schools, you know, like, you know, they'll stop at our school and go to St. Thomas More, Worcester Academy, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I, there's really nothing that frustrates me, to be honest with you. I mean, the coaches, they come to our school. Um, you know, over the years, I've been lucky, just, you know, built great relationship with a lot of coaches. And I feel like I trust them and they trust, you know, not just myself, but my whole coaching staff, what we, you know, think of players. So, yeah, I mean, there's, no, there's nothing negative in my opinion, you know. I mean, with the coaches and the NCAA, so, yeah. you know, but – but no, I mean, I, I, I've been really lucky and uh, I think the coaches do a great job. And, you know, again, we've been lucky that we've built a relationship over the last 10, 12 years where coaches, you know, trust us and believe what we're doing, trying to get these kids ready for the next level. That, that's good to hear. Uh, Coach Quinn, anything uh, that comes to mind? Uh, I think I think there's a couple of things that I, I, I agree with Tom. I think coaches are very professional. However, uh, I played Worcester Academy once when Tom Blackburn was the coach, and we had 51 coaches in our gym for a game. Coaches don't come to single games anymore. They go to events, and that's frustrating. Um, you know, we're very fortunate in the, in the fall where people stop in our gym and watch our kids play in the afternoon and then head up to Tom's, and so we're in that circuit. But if we have, a, like, one really good game, they would rather see us play in the nationals in New Haven or the nationals in Rhode Island or a major tournament in Springfield. They'd rather come to places where they can see four or five games in a row rather than just one good game in, in, in droves. I mean, you still get the people coming, but we used to have so many people just come to one game and then they can just focus in on those kids. Rather now they're coming and seeing you just have to see a bulk of kids. And so the people yeah. who are, people are now making money by bringing us in, having them play in their events, charging these coaches, college coaches, a pretty good time. And we're paying to play in the tournaments. It, 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 it's, it's different. You know, I, as I said, when you've done it, as long as I've done it, I used to love to see all these college coaches just sitting in our gym watching a game rather than a workout. And, you know, that, that, that really has changed. As I said, we're still really fortunate to have, you know, a handful of people at most games. But honestly, we'd have 30, 40, 50, have 30, 40, 50 coaches. And, you know, like if we were to play Tom, like we played in the last few years, we, in the old day, Tom, 15, 20 years ago, there would be 
no seats for spectators because the coaches would take them all up, you know, and now, you know, they just have to go to events. And that, that's just a frustrating thing for me. Uh, I understand it. You know, it, it, it makes sense fiscally, but it doesn't seem like most NCAA basketball programs are worried about the fiscal concept. So <laughs> I don't know if that goes hand in hand. So that's the biggest frustration. And the other thing I always get a kick out of is all these assistant coaches when they become head coaches. Like when they were assistant, I could call them up and say, hey, you should scholarship this kid. And they would offer him a scholarship right away. And now they become a head coach. I said, hey, you should scholarship this kid. They say, okay, I'll get back to you. They say, come on, come on. Last year, I, I haven't gotten dumber. And if I'm going to get beat up, I'm going to get beat up because I put a kid probably in a step below where he should be really, really good. So, but it's amazing how the head coach sometimes has a tough time saying yes. Whereas assistant coach, yeah, thanks, Quinny. I love it. I said, all right, let's get it done. So, I, I love it. You know, I'm guilty of, of being a event seeker versus going to individual games. That being said, I'd much rather be a, uh, a party of one versus party of 50 when I'm competing yeah. for attention for a kid. So um, I, I think that's really good uh, feedback that us as college coaches need to, to, to heed to and understand. Uh, Rock, Mike, any, any uh, additional thoughts to that? Well, I'll just pick, piggyback on off coach Quinn. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is an events driven thing now for, for college coaches and, and it's probably just the ease of being able to see multiple kids all in one setting in, in one or two days. It's that, it's that one-stop shop. Um, but I tell you what, I love, I mean, Coach Hart, when we play, I mean, the amount of Division One talent in the gym is great. And then it's you got one or two schools there. It's like, oh, my God, you know. And, and, <laughs> and it's great to be able to talk to some of those guys after the game. But you figure there should be, just as, 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 as uh, Tommy and, and Coach Quinn said, like, should be 15 to 20 like but it's also we understand it's probably hard for you know assistant coaches to get out with the demands of of, of what the expectations are of of of, uh, of running a program we had uh 2012 i we run the st andrews holiday classic and by the way we break even every year <laughs> it's actually a scheduler i just try to help like tilton's here and cheshire's here so play it off place you know it's like a schedule but anyway so 2012 we have Nerlens noel tilton against saint mocks kayla kazuski and i had an entire bleacher full of college coaches that reminded me of las vegas at au tournament and if that game was played at St. Mark's or Tilton as a one-game set, think about it. Two kids, I think New Orleans was in McDonald's game. He, they were close to McDonald's, both of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, if that game was played at Tilton or St. Mark's, you might have had a couple coaches there. And and that's kind of that's kind of crazy. So just to jump on what, what Jerry had said, it just doesn't make sense, you know, and um, – it, it just – it really wakes you up. The, the, the one thing that's frustrating, and I'll jump on another thing Jerry said, is trust. Check out the track record, okay? St. Andrew's kids, when they go to college, no matter what level, one, two, three, or junior college, okay, they play, they don't cause any issues on campus, and they're good students for the most part. And they rarely transfer. It might be coach left. I graduated. I'm going to another program. 
All right. I'm talking over about 120, close to 150 kids. Okay. In this current era we're in this year, it is sickening. I have like, I'm just this new young coach. No one ever heard of because nobody is jumping on these kids. I have who we, we could have one of our better teams ever here. My 27 years. And I got guys who can really play and it's crickets. It's crickets. And I know the NCAA's hurting us with this transfer rule and this alleged fifth year thing that uh, is going to happen um, or repeat year. So let a kid play 20 college games this year and then let him come back and make the year up. Makes no sense. So that's what's really frustrating to me is the trust factor where I used to have some magic like Coach Quinn and pick the phone up and say, hey, I got a really good one. And the kid would probably, at least he'd get a look, you know. Yeah. So, and I know they can't come out and look, and, I, and I'll, I'll pick up for the NCAA coaches too. But I got a group of parents right now, you know, they want results. And I know you other guys too, they want results now. And by January, February, most of our guys are in good shape to make a decision in April or May if they're postgrads. Because I, I take under the radar postgrads. I don't take any kid who signed or – I don't want to deal with that. So anyway, um, you know, and then I get the division two and three guys, which is our bread and butter. And, uh, and it's, it's just, it's crickets right now. And that, that's really frustrating. Trust guys have been doing it for a long time. Um, and I hope they do. Amen. Now I, you, you bring up a great point. We do need to talk about this before we go to the last segment. So I'm going to start again with you, Mike. Let's go back in reverse order. What are what are you gentlemen as as leaders of your programs doing to help uh, during this time to to bring some exposure and some um, you know notoriety to your program? Uh, what are the strategies that you're using that us as college coaches should be paying attention to? Mike, I'll start with you, then Rock, Jerry, then Tom. Well, we got lucky on two things. One, NEPSAC opened up. Um, practice all year um so i was able to not only have open gym but have a few practices in the fall and the second thing we got a huddle camera last year okay i've got i've got some you know open gyms taped i've got i've got some practices taped and i and i you know but those ended november 1st because we had a COVID issue and people went home um so at least i got something on my current group of kids i've got something you know and um I get that on Twitter, on my, my Twitter, I get that out there. Um, and I, you know, but they got to get back to me. And these college guys, they just, and once again, in the fence, you get the same line. I'll, I'll speak, I think I'm speaking for the other three guys. We don't know what we're doing until February. We may have kids stay. We're going to check out the, here's the biggie. We're going to go with transfers, you know, and then they got down, the, you know, and I explained to them, my guys are 19 years old. They're not high school kids. They're basically junior college kids, and you get them for four years. So those are some some things I'm trying to get done. It's, it's been tough. It's been really tough. It is, and it's it's actually going to probably just get tougher and tougher. To be honest, we we just have to continue to to come up with creative solutions. Rock, what what are you guys doing over at Loomis to to help your kids? And what should college coaches be queuing in on? Yeah, we were fortunate enough to be able to to. Um, 
practice a good amount from October all the way into Thanksgiving and able to, to get some live stuff in the two weeks really before Thanksgiving break. And now we're remote all the way until, until February. Um, but to be able to get, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of live run, um, was good as ugly as it was. <laughs> um, but, but I think it was more important to get the kids just playing fives or playing fours. Um, and, um, certainly, certainly share that with any coach who wants it, but, but like Mike, I've had some uh, some head head scratching phone calls. It's a lot of burn up the phone lines and, and still fight for your kids. And, and I've got uh, some good players, some some really good players who uh, um, you know, the phone will be ringing a little bit more right now. But um, it's it's the climate. It's uh, it's wild. It certainly is wild. Coach Quinn. Well, I, I agree. I mean, we've been a little more fortunate. Uh, you know, being a single sex school and having uh, uh, no visitors onto campus and no kids could leave campus. That we've actually had close, uh, like 42 practices. And what we've done is we've live streamed every practice. That's so great. Anybody who ever wants to watch this practice, we'll be back in at the end of January that we go from three o'clock to five o'clock. And every one of our practices has been live streamed and every one of them has been saved. And we also were able to play like eight uh, off campus or on-campus scrimmages. We had four different groups. We played Tom twice. And the first time we played Tom, we played six 10-minute games. So each kid got, if they got 20 minutes against Tom. And then the second time we played Tom, a 40-minute game and a 20-minute scrimmage. But we played Bridgeton twice, home and home. And we played South Kent twice, home and home. And we played Woodstock twice, home and home. And the way we did it is we played them back to back. So we do our testing, play these guys, play them again, and then do our testing again and, 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 and be able to do it. It, it. It's hard to play somebody like Mike who has day students. We're not dealing with those kids. We're doing with places just pretty much all just like us. Hopefully when we get back in the spring, uh, I'm sorry, hopefully when we get back in, at the end of January, we will be playing, like Matt, Mike said, NEPSAC has allowed us to do it. I hope they uh, open their minds up to letting people be a little more versatile with how they help their kids as we progress in this next year. Like some of the things that we're doing this year make a heck of a lot of sense for our kids. You know, so hopefully NEPSAC will have a, a more open mind to allow us to do some more things earlier in the year. But we're also going to play till the kids leave school this year. You know, so if we have to play games in March and April, we're in. And I've even spoken to some of the people who run these national tournaments. And I'm saying, hey, don't disregard the concept of having one in April. Because I don't know too many of the prep schools are going to allow their kids to leave to play AAU. We certainly will not. So That's a but great we, point. We will bring our team, but we're not going to let them leave and go play all over the country and then come back to our campus. So, and, and, you know, when I've spoken to some of the other prep schools, they're all pretty much the same idea. So these major tournaments that the AAU people and EYBL and they've run in the spring, our kids aren't going to. <laughs> God bless you. Our kids will You're not right. be happy. Uh, um, so I'm hoping to be able to expand this and let our kids play forever. But we, we're fortunate enough to have 480 minutes worth of video and plus 40 practices on video and, and allow our kids to uh, – uh, uh, be seen. And the crazy thing about it is you have to change your practice when you video it. Yeah. You know, instead of doing a, as much individual stuff, you know, people want to see collective stuff. So you choreograph it a little differently, which when I look at it, say, Hey, that works, you know? So 
it, it certainly had to keep an open mind. You got to learn some new things. You got to move, you know, change with the times. You just got to stay positive. You know, Rock has mentioned, we're all reaching out. We're all calling people. Uh, I come in every day. The kids ain't back till January, but I come in every day, make a dozen phone calls, take this kid. And I've even told our kids, uh, uh, an opportunity is what you desire. Don't worry about levels. You know, you need an opportunity to be on a team is huge. Just to get the opportunity to be on the team is huge next year. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so some of our kids who historically would be all set by now, I'm telling them to go to Division Two. Have a great career. If you play really well, you can you can transfer. But as I said, take it. You know, if money's an issue, take a scholarship. You know, the, as Tom Kachowski always says, there's Division One, there's Division Two, and they're both Division Free. You know, so I've always had that line he's had. So uh, 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 if you may have to adjust where you're going, but the opportunity is most important, I believe. Jerry, you, you make some great points. Where, where can we find those those practices? Are they uh, how- the play site? You just go to play site and then like anybody goes to our play site and, and it'll say St. Thomas More. Now, the old practices um, we have in a file. So. Um, Mike, I think Mike and I are about the same age, so we're probably not social social media <laughs> savvy. So I got my assistants who do it all. So anybody wants to get a hold of me, just get a hold of me. I can get you any practice they want. And it's actually kind of neat because what we're going to do, which I didn't think of the first semester, but just like, okay, I'm coaching Mike Carter. He's a real good point guard. He had a hell of a practice on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So instead of saying, if you want to look at how good the kid is, Watch them on this Monday on February 2nd or whatever the date happens to be. And just so we can, our kids actually get a little more up, uh, uh, excited for practice when I tell them, by the way, you never know who's watching today. You know, there are coaches out there. They know it's out there. We put it on our Twitter and on our Instagram and our websites that anybody wants to watch a place I practice at St. Thomas More, we will go from this time, Monday through Friday. And then we'll, you know, Twitter it out when we're going on the weekends. Please watch, please watch, please watch. And of course, you have to be redundant and you got to say, please watch, please watch a second time and then a third time and then a fourth time. And, yeah. No. Uh, you know, kids have to take what's offered to them rather than, uh, you know, a lot of parents are, well, can you go higher? It's like, it's just, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that this year. Take what's offered to you. I'm going to make sure that I, I log on and watch and I'm also going to do oh, my no. part to share. Thank you. Of course. Um, and, and Tom, before I, I go to you, you know, there's all league freshmen every single year, right, uh, from all over the country. And right now, as college coaches, we're ignoring the 2021 class as if they're not going to have productive quality players. So um, those that that are, are wise to that and, and get to their evaluations um, are going to still be able to uh, – find an all-league caliber player in 2021. And Coach Quinn, I got to say, you raised a point that is a phenomenal point that I did not think about. Schools would be foolish, especially in the boarding situations, to allow their kids to go for AAU and then come back in this climate. That that just puts the, the uh, you know, biology student that doesn't even play sports that might be living in the dorms uh, susceptible to, to some threat that uh, they didn't necessarily need to be susceptible to. So that's a, that's a really interesting dynamic as we think about how spring recruiting is going to kind of come to fruition. Tom, you, you get the last word on this subject. What are you guys doing at, at Putnam to help your kids get exposure? 
Yeah, I mean, pretty similar to those guys, you know, but when we got out of uh, quarantine, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, play pickup basketball, scrimmage, and then we got into the practices. Um, and then, like what Jerry said, we, you know, we played a couple games and we also played one other school, Hoosack. And, you know, even like we have three level boys teams. And so we played all of Jerry's teams, you know, not just his team, but his second team. And he split up his second team so they could play my third team. And same with Hoosack. They had three teams. So all, all, all three of our level teams played two different schools but got multiple games. So it worked out pretty good. But same thing, you know, uh, we live streamed every practice, workout, uh, you know, scrimmage. And, you know, I'm lucky. I got a pretty big coaching staff. So I would just have one assistant coach. He would just take notes on the practice. And, you know, we would highlight two, three of our guys who had a good practice and, you know, put it on Twitter. But also we had a Google Docs where we would put the notes, you know, we put notes on each kid who had a good practice and what they did well, et cetera. And so we just asked coaches, college coaches, to reach out to us. We have a program. It's called BoxCaster. So it's just a, a link. And so we would, you know, coaches would ask for it. We'd send them, um, you know, the link with the notes of the practice or workout. And it it actually worked out pretty good, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Twitter was a big thing as well, you know, like I mentioned. But, uh, yeah, we're pretty fortunate, we, you know, playing four scrimmages. Um, but we felt we got a lot out of it. We felt the kids got a lot out of it um, competing for, you know, probably at least 40, you know, practices, open gyms. So, overall, it was with everything considered, I was pretty happy. I love the ingenuity. Uh, you know, practice is important. You know, every college coach, I think, would agree to that. We, we need to do more evaluating of practice. Like Coach Quay mentioned, we show up to these events and we see, you know, the showcase when every kid is already juiced up. But how fired up are they every single day to work on their craft and, and help their teammates get better? Those are things that I think universally coaches all want to know and all want to see. And now we have an opportunity to do that. So if there's some sort of silver lining in, in all this, um, you know, madness that's going on, uh, hopefully this is a trend that continues because I personally want to see how a young man acts uh, even when they think we're not watching, uh, even though they know the eye in the sky is always there. Um, so hats off to, to all you gentlemen for being creative and finding ways to, to help your kids in your programs. We're going to dive right into our very last uh, segment. We've just uh, passed the uh, threshold of our longest show this year. So we're going to be really quick as we go into the fast break, still sponsored by no one. If anybody out there wants to sponsor the fast break, they're more than welcome to, to jump in and take the reins. I want, I want some coaches to, to hear names of, of kids that have come out of your programs. Coach Hart, you mentioned your kids have a lot of success no matter where they go and what level. Um, we're going to go around the horn and, and, and be quick. Name a player of yours that's currently in college basketball right now that's, that's making you proud. Miles Wilmoth. Um, everyone told me he couldn't play at Butler. He's playing 22 minutes a game right now. Coach, guilty. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by his development. I already said it earlier tonight. Trust. Trust. He's he's playing great, and every time I, and I I like watching those guys play. Every time I watch, I'm like, damn, that kid proved me wrong. I I'm guilty of that, and I'm happy to admit that because I think it's important for us coaches to go back and reevaluate kids that you see. And and anyway, hats off to Butler. Hats off to you for for developing Miles Rock. What do you what do you got? Give me a, give me a name. 
Uh, he was Gatorade Player of the Year here in the state of Connecticut from Granby, Connecticut, is Jaden Delaire at Stanford. Jaden is uh, he's fought it out the first two years, you know, playing, get you know, figuring things out, and he's in the starting lineup now. He had I don't know nineteen and nine the other night against Oregon State, and uh, kid's terrific, great kid, great student. He was awesome here, love him. And if, and if you're looking for a great kid and great student, then you can find those at, at Lewis and Chafee. One, listen, one of the most beautiful campuses. I, I haven't seen a lot of campuses. I haven't been to one, uh, a ton of them. But when I came up there, I was blown away. Uh, that, that was a fantastic place. Coach Quinn, give me a name of one of your guys that you're just proud of right now for what they're well, doing. Well, one of the kids who's been overly impressed and has overachieved his whole life is a kid, E.J. Anasiki, who went to Sacred Heart for three years, graduated in three years and transferred to Tennessee. Uh, uh, and he's, he's just a hardworking kid. But I got to give a shout out to uh, uh, a kid, Steve Silas, who just took, who played for me in 92, who just took the Houston Rockets job. How and, about it? Yeah, and how he's handling uh, the, uh, <laughs> the lunacy of what's going on in that program, you know. Uh, 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 you know, I can't be more proud of anybody. I mean, trying to coach James Harden right now doesn't seem to be an easy thing. Uh, uh, um, and I think he's doing a great job and handling everything wonderfully. So on the college level, it's great to see EJ. He's going to leave a two master's pro, master's degree in five years, as well as a college diploma. And Steve Silas is really uh, uh, rocking it in the NBA. Man, amen to that. You know, EJ is going to have a chance to maybe play in the Final Four. And, you, hey, congrats, you're NBA head coach. Now go stand at this podium and answer these very difficult questions. He went to Rhode Island. He lived in Rhode Island for a while there, Mike. And listen, he's handled it uh, with class uh, up to this point. Probably probably a lot of that class that you've got is rubbed off on on him. Tom, tell me about one of your guys out there that that you're proud of. Uh, Tyson Etienne at Wichita State. Um, you know, when he was here, I mean, he, he was the hardest worker I ever had. Like, I mean, I'm talking like Kobe Bryant mentality. He was it was almost crazy to see. And so he's a sophomore at Wichita State. And I think he's been like voted the fourth time player of the week in the league. Um, yeah, he's just, it's no surprise because of his work ethic, but just really proud of him. Okay. Now we're going to go back in reverse order, which is a question we ask in, in every episode. Uh, and you cannot repeat somebody else's answer. Tom, give, give me a name of an assistant coach that's been doing a good job recruiting your program. We want to give a little bit of a college assistant coach. Give them a little bit of uh, shine. Uh, Steve Curran, St. Bonnie's. The, the Bonnie's do a damn good job. I don't yeah. have to play those guys this year. Coach Quinn. Oh, it's not even a question. It's a kid who coaches at BU. His name is Mike Quinn. <laughs> he does a hell of a job, that guy, Mike Quinn. He does a hell of a job. Great answer, Rock. Thank you. Oh man. Um, uh, most recently, uh, Ricardo Greer at Dayton. I called him up, said, "Hey, you got to come see this kid, R.J. Blakeney." Guy showed up the next day. R.J.'s at Dayton, so I'll, I'll give uh, some props to, to Ricardo. Amen. Amen. And RJ's a great kid with a, with a great future and, and good player. He's found a good home there. Coach Hart? Well, I was going to say Mike Quinn from BU. Uh, <laughs> actually, he got back to me. He got back to me. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to say Brian Blaney because, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Providence, he, he did a nice job helping me with um, with a kid last year. And, and uh, he's, been, he's been really a valued friend since the 90s. 
And uh, we've been trying to connect for a while. And we finally connected around the kids. So um, very, very happy with uh, Coach Blaney. Last question before we, we sign off. Rock, I'll start with you. Then we'll go Jerry, Mike, and Tom just to switch up the order. Just name a college program in general. It doesn't have to be one specific coach that traditionally has done a really good job recruiting your program. A program. Um, uh, Davidson. Um, kid there, Nelson Bochy-Edam, who was here for three years. And, and you know, Coach McKillop is always coming up into the gym to take a look. Always, always giving me a shout to see, who, see who's here at Loomis. Um, always do a great job. Congrats to the coach uh, for winning his 600th game uh, this week. I'm not sure when we're going to post this episode. He might be at 610 by the time this episode gets out. But um, congrats to him for, for winning his 600th career game. Coach Quinn? You know, I think one of the hardest working guys is actually a Division three guy. Uh, Love it. Uh, yeah, and it's a guy, Jamie Cosgrove, who also played for me. And, you know, any event, any gym, uh, I, I think he's there all the time. He's getting one of our – I'm glad he's getting another one of our kids, a kid, Sean McCartrick, this year. So he's done a heck of a job. But, I mean, we've been just so fortunate over the 40 years. I mean, our, our relationships with coaches, I mean, I have the highest respect for them. You know, I think they all, as a collective group, really work their tails off. I, you know, I know every one of these people you guys have mentioned, and I think they're all wonderful. Uh, Coach, um, Coach Cosgrove is listening to this, but if I didn't mention Michael, I would have been killed. But there's probably about 25 to 30 other guys. <laughs> hey, you're allowed to give Mike that number one rank. He deserves it. Coach Cosgrove is at Trinity. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. Coach Hart? Well, it's uh, you know, like Jerry just said, we've been lucky. You know, I, I guess I'm kind of a dinosaur now, too. We've had a lot of relationships with a lot of people. Uh, but obviously, you know, it started in uh, the 1999 Stop DWI Classic in Binghamton, New York, where this guy named Mike Hopkins came up to me and uh, started talking about one of my players. And uh, Syracuse has been – they probably have done an outstanding, you know, really, really – Probably the best job recruiting our guys. Um, we've we've had a bunch of kids go there. We actually had a kid go there. It wasn't a good fit. And they're still recruiting our guys. And you know, you're not going to – it's not going to be all home runs. And, you know, obviously with, with Coach Beheim, uh, he's a great guy. And Coach Hopkins got it started. He handed off to, you know, Coach, uh, you know, G-Mac. And, and uh, they've done a really good job recruiting our guys throughout the years. And, uh, you know, I just – I try to stay out of it, though. I try to let the families figure out because I don't want them to come back at me that, you know, if it doesn't work out. But, um, yeah, I, I appreciate their efforts. Great point that if something doesn't work out, doesn't mean you can't go back to that program. Never, not every situation is a home run, uh, but that doesn't mean that the next situation will be, you know, tainted because of the prior one. I think that's a really good point. Tom, you get the last word. Give me give me a program. Uh, Gardner-Webb. Ooh. Yeah, they take in uh, three kids that had a real tough time placing, and they, they took them, and all three of those kids became all-league players and led them to the NCAA tournament, you know, two years ago. Um, so, yeah, um, Gardner-Webb. Man, I tell you what, think about all the schools in between Connecticut all the way down to Bowling Springs, North Carolina, that, that could have benefited from some all-league guys that – you were trying to place, and that's why those those guys were able to be in the NCAA tournament because they trusted, they they listened. I think that's one of the uh, overarching themes we got today. You know, 
coaches like yourselves, specifically in your guys' region, you're going to work the phones. You're going to help not just your program, but the other programs in the area. It's very communal in that regard. Um, and everyone understands the, the level and where players kind of will fall to. So there needs to be a, a great deal of trust when there's a, a call and a recommendation coming from this region, which largely your mission, uh, as you guys mentioned, is to place kids into college, not necessarily win games. Um, all that's great, but everyone on this panel and all the other coaches that I've been able to interact with around the region, their, their primary focus is on getting uh, their young men into uh, you know that next step. And um, for that reason, we all should do a better job of listening in. Uh, gentlemen, we've set the record longest episode here through the tunnel. I, I love it. That means I got to spend extra time with you guys. Um, but we are we're going to sign off. Thank you so much. Thanks to our sponsor, Dr. Dish. And uh, we are going to go ahead and get on out of here. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Safe.